You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 110 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, joined here with Jeremy Paxton. And uh, Jeremy, after a week off, I've got to say, uh, it's a great time to be alive. If you are a uh, a fan of the Astros, a fan of the Texans, of course, uh, the Texans knock off the Tennessee Titans, the, uh, I, I guess the uh, the former Oilers, the team that left us back in the 1990s, they blew them out on Sunday, 57-14, to and the Astros heading to the playoffs, they will take on the Boston Red Sox beginning with Game 1 Thursday at Minute Maid Park, and uh, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive. One of the rare times as a Houston sports fan, I can say, man, I'm so glad I live in Houston. No, this, this was <laughs> that like... Just, that just means failure is just around the corner, right? That's right. That, that means inevitably disappointment is on the horizon waiting to take this moment of joy away from me. Um, the Texans absolutely obliterated the Titans for like the sixth straight time, I believe. Well, um, no, they did lose the season finale last year. But that, was, that was also a game in which Tom Savage got hurt and you had to put in Brock Osweiler. Maybe this again. is like regular, like there was home there was games. Some, yes, home games. That's right. So six straight home games. We've beaten the Titans. Um, glad to see that it was such an overwhelming victory. I'm very upset because I had um, some Titans players on my yeah fantasy football. It just not been good for me this year, but I think I might eke out my first win. This Your week. first win, congratulations! My, my, <laughs> my first win was actually against Staten, so he he was yeah uh, yeah he, he struggled. But I'm also in the struggle bus. I'm I'm probably about forty I think we points. Just struggle under. with fantasy football. Yeah, I, I I'm better at the auto, the auto draft is a better uh, pick. The auto draft is a better choice for you. And, Absolutely, well, you know, to each their own. But I just want to give a shout out to um you know first uh, our listeners this week. Uh, we had a all time record uh, for total listens on the podcast for episode 109. We had uh, nearly forty thousand of you listened, and uh, it was a great episode. We had Tim Rowan on from Sports Illustrated Monday Morning Quarterback uh, discussing Colin Kaepernick, who we're going to discuss here in just a few moments. Also, we had Taylor Bashotti for Taylor's top takeaways, and of course. Justice Don Willett, who at that point was a uh, a justice in the Texas Supreme Court, and uh, he's gotten a promotion this past week. Could we have been any more lucky to nab him literally right before an appointment to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals? And we speculated that that was going to happen. we, we, we We sort of asked him a question like, you know, what would it mean for you? Right. And a week yeah. later, boom. Well, it's funny because he's been on the short list for higher court appointments for some time, but I just didn't expect it to happen literally within a week or so of our broadcast. You, you know what that means? It means that if you come on to the Weekly Brew podcast as a guest, we guarantee that you will have a presidential appointment within a week. Guarantee is a strong word. Let's say, <laughs> let, let's just say that good things will happen to you in life. It, it's that's it, a fair coming point. on the weekly brew. It's, that's it's, it's like point. getting a good message in a fortune cookie. It may or may not come true. All likelihood, it won't. But for Don Willett, it worked out. <laughs> so uh, thanks to all of you for uh, listening on the podcast last week, uh, or I guess the, the week before last. We did take a hiatus last week as both Jeremy and I were out of pocket. But uh, also shout out to all the haters. We know that you are listening, and uh, you just you just keep you keep on fueling the fire. And I think the haters they know who they are. Are, but shout out to them. But uh, but Jeremy, uh, let's start out with uh, you know some some college football real quick. Uh, college football. There were some big surprises this past week. We saw LSU lose at home to, to Troy. Troy. To Troy. Did, of did all you even school. know where Troy was? I I had to look it up. I thought Troy was the ancient city where Brad Pitt made a dud of a film. Okay, um, but yeah, that, that and I didn't sense. know there was a university there. But, but no. But apparently Troy is a university in Alabama. And they knocked off LSU, one of the mighty P5 schools that everyone dreads every year to play. But um, I, I was really happy to see that happen. 
Um, obviously, if you're a Tigers fan, I'm, I'm sorry, but it was really fun to watch that. And LSU can join Baylor in the ranks of, of teams that have lost to lesser opponents, though I'm not sure if Baylor can call itself a greater opponent to anyone right now <laughs> well, did, losing did to you Kansas State on the road. tweet that Troy University sent out yesterday? It was like the most savage tweet I've ever seen. The university after winning the game, sent out a tweet saying, LSU, thanks to, thanks to LSU for inviting us to their homecoming. We had a great time. <laughs> Savage. You know, that's, that's, that's not quite... That, that, that's funny. Like, don't get me wrong, but that won't, quite be, that won't quite sting for me as personally as the people who said that Baylor, Kansas will be a burn burner this year <laughs> after we lost to Liberty. But that's neither here nor there. Congratulations to Troy. Also, some other crazy games. Um, Washington State, Mike Leach, the Pirate, knocking off number five, USC. Yeah, that was a fun game on Friday night. Of course, USC is having some injury issues. They had uh, their left tackle out for the game. The right tackle got injured in the game. I think they had a wide receiver that was also out. Uh, Sam Darnold tried to bring them back. But that was a game uh, that I thought Washington State could win. And, uh, you know, because a lot of crazy things happen on a short week when it's a road game at night. And Mike Leach, to me, the most surprising thing about that Washington State team, they could run the ball. I I mean, Mike Leach never runs the ball. At least he, he hasn't in the past. But... They actually, yeah, he's he, he's yeah. a spread guy. I mean, he, he's, he's, yeah. he's he's not just a spread guy. He's yeah. like the air raid offense, right? And that Washington State team. I mean, they've got a great quarterback, Luke Falk. I think that they could contend in the Pac-12, and and you know, I, I don't want to say run on the table, but I you know, I think that they could play for the Pac-12 championship, and it's remarkable. I, I'm, I'll tell you the game that I have circled on my calendar right now for the Pac-12. It's got to be Washington, Washington State. I was just about to say that's going to be an what absolutely it, thrilling Cup? game. Yeah, I mean, who, who cares what it's called? No one really cares about football on the West Coast. <laughs> but us as Southerners, we care about football anywhere. So we will definitely be tuning into that game. Now, I do think it's interesting some other games that were pretty shocking to me. Tennessee getting shut out for the first time since 94. Butch Jones, got to let him go. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, some other thrilling games, of course... Um, Oklahoma State beating Texas Tech. That was a fun Just game. Barely. I mean, yeah, that was Saturday nights in Lubbock, blackout games. You, you've, gosh, you've got to love that. And of course, uh, it was a big game for Oklahoma State. Because, it was, you know, bouncing off of the TCU loss last week at home, in which they were double digit favorites. Anyone winning in Stillwater, that's it, a huge, that's a huge deal. So, congrats to TCU. I, I'm, I'm, I argued not very well at the beginning of the season that TCU is going to be a better team. I did this season. not believe you. You did not believe me, and I really didn't have any stats to back that up. I, I, I had a vision that earlier in the that that that. You know, previous day about TCU's glory this season. I, I do hope it comes true because it, <laughs> we, I, I need to see a private school in the Big Twelve do well this year. Of course, we could always talk about Baylor, Kansas State. Well, um, hold on. I want to talk about Alabama real quick because this entire week, Ole Miss was just you know talking all the smack about how they don't fear Alabama, and Alabama absolutely destroyed another SEC opponent. And I think I saw a uh, a stat this week that was uh, quite impressive on Sunday. And it was a tweet that said that Alabama's point differential this year is 188 points. That is more points than 112 teams have scored this year. There are 130 teams in college football. They've scored more than 112. That's their point differential. They're just on a roll right now. And I, I think they're on a collision course with Clemson again. And you saw what Clemson did going on the road, beating Virginia Tech. Uh, that is their third top 15 win this season in September. I think, you know, both teams ranked one and two right now. I think right now we could, you know, almost pencil in Alabama versus Clemson part three. 
I, I think you're probably right, and that's unfortunate. Remember the Alabama versus LSU years? I just I, I could not stand. Okay, but the problem with those games is those were like six to three games. They weren't right. exciting. That's the true. last two Alabama-Clemson games, they've been thrilling. Right. Well, and, and let's, let's not forget the dark horse in that equation is probably Penn State sitting at number four right now. Uh, had a thrilling game last week, last-second win. Um, and then, of course, coming out with a big win over Indiana. That's not difficult for them given where they are, but... Um, definitely, I think the playoffs is going to be really interesting to see where it comes out. I think we're roughly, what, about a month away from the initial playoff rankings coming out here from the committee. Yeah, so I guess if, if you're kind of ranking your top teams right now, who do you have up in the top five? Oh, god! It doesn't necessarily have to be a particular order, but who, who are your top five teams? Um, I've def, you know what? I, I don't I actually don't have Oklahoma up there. I'll say that up front. I think that uh, I think they're ranked number three in both polls. I, 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 I tend to agree with you. I think that they're overranked. I mean, uh, a, a really sorry Baylor team at home uh, almost tripled Ohio State's score against them. I, I'm not saying that Oklahoma is a bad team. I'm just saying that they are overranked like they usually are. I think they probably belong in the, the, the bottom half, the top 10. Um, that being said, definitely, definitely Penn State. Definitely Alabama. Obviously, I think Washington is going to be a really interesting team to watch. Um, I think that they're good, and especially in the pack, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to compare the pack to the rest of the P5 because I feel like sometimes there's a, a difference in the level of play. But um, they I have great quarterback play. Yeah, great quarterback play. But I, I feel like in the last couple of years, the pack has not really been able to match up toe to toe. How so? Well, I mean, we're, we're talking, I mean, let's think about playoff, playoff teams. They're they're just not. I mean, Washington just, got blown out last year. They did, and I, mean, I, I just I never thought of the pack as like a. It's a it's a good football conference, great teams, but I feel like the glory days of the pack were back during the BCS. You know, you could argue that with Big Twelve as well. Oh, undoubtedly, the Big Twelve is the sick man of the P five right now, and will continue <laughs> to be until those gores are renegotiated here in what like twenty twenty five something like yeah, that. Yeah, which I think Bob Bowlesby, the uh, the uh, the commissioner for the Big Twelve, actually just signed a contract, and it expires the day that those television contracts actually expire. So that's something to look out for here in a few years. But uh, I guess if I'm naming my top five teams at this point, I've probably got to go Clemson number one, just because they've looked so dominant. Three top 15 wins. They are the defending national champions. And to see what they're doing without Deshaun Watson this year is impressive. That defense is probably just as good as anyone in the country. Uh, Number two, I've got to go with Alabama. Uh, They've been just flat out dominant uh you know beating vanderbilt what 59 to nothing and then of course pounding old miss on saturday uh, they've got to be the number one or number two team i'm going to put them in number two just for my purposes just from what i've seen so far this season uh they just you know don't have as good of wins right now as clemson uh number three i think i've got to go with penn state i agree with you i mean they just look like a very very good team they kind of escaped iowa but i think that every top team each year always has one game which I was, they narrowly I was say, play, playing like Iowa had won like a, a consecutive right. home games before that but, to go, so. but again that was a huge game because they go on the road at night and win yeah that, that shows resiliency I, I think Penn State would definitely be my top five and, Alabama and, Clemson and, and Barkley has to be you know one of your Heisman front runners at this point uh, he's just there he does it all he he throws for a touchdown returns for a touchdown runs for a touchdown uh, just so electric on that field uh, and and Franklin has done such a great job uh, coaching that team and just sort of taking over uh, for Bill O'Brien when he uh, he went to the NFL uh, four seasons ago but uh, I've also got to put Georgia up there in the uh, in, in the top five they 
they just have such a dominant defense right now. Of course, uh, we mentioned earlier that uh, Tennessee uh, was shut out, and they were they were shut out at the hands of the Bulldogs. What forty one to nothing uh, this past Saturday. So I've got to put them up there. Gosh, and number five, toss up. It's it's a toss up. I mean, I, I think you. There are a few teams that I throw around. I throw around TCU just because they went on the road against Oklahoma State. I, uh, you know, throw around maybe, you know, a Washington, a Washington State. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's a team in the uh, in, in the Big Ten right now that I would, would put up there. Michigan is in the top ten, but I just don't know that they, at least the games that I've watched, they've struggled. Of course, uh, you know, Wisconsin, they're unbeaten, but I just I, yeah. I don't know enough yet don't, don't from those with... teams. They haven't, they haven't really passed the eye test for me, and that's something that we see with the College Football Playoff Committee is the eye test. Right. And I, I think it's worth saying that um, a team like Wisconsin, you know, I mean, Northwestern's not a bad team, but I mean, they didn't really, they, they, I have not seen the kind of overwhelming force that you've seen with like Georgia or Alabama or even Clemson. Um, so and, and I, also don't sleep on Auburn. That team with Jared Stidham, yes. you know, they, they did lose the game on the road at Clemson, but their offense is starting to click. Right. And Malzahn knows that his you know heads on the hot seat. Jared Sidham is a very talented quarterback. Kevin Steele, coordinator, inexplicable. I I can't. I really can't get over that. I mean, that last last month of the season in, in the job? SEC, How you could potentially have Alabama playing Georgia and Auburn. That could be fun to watch. It's going to be extremely fun to watch. I think the SEC is is the lead to watch this year. Of course, I'm going to continue to watch the Big Twelve and you know cringe. Um, especially for our team. But anyways, it's, I, I'm really, this is a really exciting year. I, I'm the only thing I'm disappointed to see is Alabama. So dominant, you know, cause they're dominant every year, but you know, that's just the way of the world here in college football right now. I mean, when you can recruit, you know, some of the best players in the country year in and year out with absolutely no effort, it's going to happen. But hold on, before we jump over to the NFL, I, I just mentioned recruiting. Did you hear about that huge scandal this past week in college, college basketball? basketball? Yeah, yeah. What did I you did. think of this? And for those that aren't familiar, uh, a lot of people that follow college basketball have speculated for years that players are being paid by shoe companies and shoe companies and agents are directing certain players to certain schools. Problem is, it's never been able to be verified or traced. And the FBI this past week unveiled an investigation that they've been undertaking and it named something like seven or eight schools. Uh, fraud was thrown out there. Rick Pitino, the head coach at Louisville fired uh, the AD at Louisville fired. Uh, I believe four coaches were arrested. A few executives from Adidas were arrested. Uh, the NCAA wasn't even notified of this investigation until the, the morning of the press conference that the FBI had. What does this mean for you in terms of your view of college basketball? as it is right now, and just the corruption that we, we have known to exist for a while in college basketball, just finally hearing about it, that it, you know, it, it, it's been proven. Well, okay, so here's my knee-jerk reaction. Why is the FBI enforcing NCAA rules? It's, like, it's not. When did those no, become the law? They're not land? forcing the NCAA rules. I mean, okay. they're, because, they're investigating. that's the perception right now, is no, that no, the no. FBI somehow has gotten involved in it. Yeah, because there's, tra- trying to there's fraud, there's money laundering, there's bribery, fair, and these fair. are public institutions. That's fair, okay. 
But my question is, why didn't this first start as an NCAA investigation, right? The There's NCAA no... doesn't have the resources to do things like wiretapping and, and, and whatnot. That's what the FBI did. Right. Okay. So they don't, they don't have the, the task force to go in and meet undercover with these like shoe agents trying to steer players to certain schools. I just thought it was shocking that it was, I mean, because when you think FBI, you think there's drugs involved. You think that there's some sort of vast criminal enterprise that's worth it's white their color time. Crime. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's, it seems a little interesting in addition to hunting down terrorists and drug lords that they would go after. I mean, there's different sectors. You know, I mean, you can't, uh, college basketball you can't, coaches. you can't have fraud and money laundering going on at state institutions that take money and grants from the federal government. I, you know, I, I think with all of the time that I feel like the NCAA has, has on its hands that they could have given some attention to this obviously you're right they they can't go to a, a lawyer or not a lawyer but a, they can't go to a judge and get a wiretap you know uh, authorization but i just i just think it's a little bizarre that you see the fbi arrest coaches like that that being said i too have you know heard over the years about any number of coaches gosh any program any big program is accused of this i mean baylor people accuse scott drew of doing things dirty but you know no no, no evidence ever comes forth but i think this is interesting that it's all coming out now and they, these were pretty big programs in louisville yeah I mean, louisville gosh. national so. championship a few years ago but keep in mind louisville uh it, it came out that you know they were hiring prostitutes for their recruits in basketball a few years ago and so you know they were already on uh, you know a tough eye a tough watch from the ncaa and now this happens they fire their head coach hall of fame head coach i mean do you see the death penalty as potentially coming into play here? I mean, we saw with Baylor covering up, you know, these NCAA violations back in 2003 that they were ultimately not allowed to have, uh, you know, a postseason and then they they weren't allowed to play a non-conference schedule. I mean, do you see the NCAA throwing down the hammer for arguably more egregious violations and repeat offenses at Louisville? Okay. If you're asking me if the NCAA has a backbone, um, I think it, 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 it depends. I, I don't know. It, it's, I'll be interesting, in, interested to see what they do. In all fairness, they should, to be honest with you. They should, because this is obviously not okay. But then again, what we did at Baylor was a little bit, it was different, right? I mean, I haven't seen any murders covered up. I haven't seen you well, know, coaches lying about it. But Well, the issue, the, the NCAA issue wasn't the murder. The issue was paying the players. Paying the players. That's that's what Dave Bliss did. He paid the players. Right. And, he, and then he tried to cover it up. But, but then was, he lied. That yeah, was the offense. Yeah. Right, right. And so not only do we have that happening at Louisville, but this comes on the heels of the prostitution case, what, two years ago? I right. mean, here, Louisville might be screwed for all intents and purposes, but uh, the Patrick Denny problem at Baylor was that Dave Bliss lied. He didn't just lie about so did paying players. Right, right. But he lied about, the, specifically, he told players not to talk about the... The murder investigation, if I'm oh, not mistaken. He, he wanted them to say that he was a drug dealer. Right. So he could cover up. Right. Exactly. Right. right. Yes. So uh, I, I know I have no real dog in this fight. I, I don't have any particularly positive or negative feelings towards Louisville based on the facts itself. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that whatever justice is deserved gets served, you know. But then again, I mean, it's devastating to a program. I know that when we were at Baylor, I, you know, when I was a freshman, they brought us into like an auditorium, basically told us what happened. This is what basketball is going to be like. Please support the team. And man, that really sucks for a school to have to go through. But then again, I mean, this is what your coach was doing. So yeah, that, that's tough. I, I think it's going to have long-term implications for uh, college basketball. Fran Fischilla, um, he actually tweeted out earlier this week, he's an ESPN analyst and also uh, does a lot of work with uh, scouting international players and, uh, yeah, his son plays at Oklahoma, I think. But he was actually, I thought, had a good perspective on this. He said that it was a good thing 
for college basketball because it's going going to finally clean up the game. I think that's or, a good point. Or do you think that coaches and uh, athletic departments are just going to get better at covering it up? No, because here's the deal. It's one thing to cover it up from the NCAA. I mean, because we saw Louisville do that to success. It's another thing when you now realize that you, you know, NCAA probation, that's one thing. But when you realize now that the FBI can get involved and put you in jail, that's going to make some coaches think twice. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously don't engage in money laundering, but the paying of players, <laughs> yeah. right? Tip number one. Pay- take anything away from the Weekly Brew this week. It's don't engage in money laundering. Don't. I'm watching Ozark right now on Netflix. Absolutely fascinating series. It's a great like, show. It is a great show, and it, it's not about drug dealing per se. It's not like Narcos, but it's about money laundering, and that's uh, just an entire industry and, like, you know, system in and of itself that's just crazy complex yeah, cleaning but, the money but but paying of players let's let's start because that's really what's at the heart of this battle over amateurism versus professional you know athletes because we, we we know that college athletes are playing at a professional level they're you know being quote unquote you know paid to go to school in the sense that their tuition is being paid but they can't be paid to play the sport right and that's what's the heart of this is there are we how far are we going to go to protect amateurism and you know i've kind of come around to this idea that we should be paying players i, I agree and it, to me to me I'm, i don't care if they're minor league essentially like i don't care if they're getting paid i'm still gonna watch they're they're they're, they're providing and i understand the school's providing a service and a, they're adding value to these guys in their professional endeavors by giving them a college degree however they're also bringing an immense amount of value to the school. I mean, we and saw what they Forbes. Do. Forbes had you know uh, Texas valued at one point two billion dollars their football program. Right. They had Ohio State valued at like one point five billion dollars. I mean, how much of that's going to the players? Zero. Zero. And Zero. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing: the Olympics for the longest time was amateurs only. That's it. And I'll tell you what: since the nineteen nineties, that dream team when they started allowing professional athletes to play and play and play, I think the entertainment value for... Yeah, people actually tune in the to watch the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. We, we see guys so like... Everybody we, wins. Yeah, exactly. We see all these right. NBA players. We see all these uh, you know, guys like Michael Phelps or Hussein Bolt who are professionals getting paid and, and owning their craft. I think that gives them more incentive to train harder, uh, to stay within that field. I mean... I don't know. I, I don't think it's a bad thing to be paying players. Well, and, and, and let's just do it the right way. Right. Make, and, it, make it approved. Give, it, them, give them something. Like, let them capitalize off their likeness. Okay. And, and, and so here's, here's a really, like, off and left field idea. But I've always thought, because of the, the CTE problem in football, if you really want to save football, you've got to limit the amount of play that players get, right? So you do away with the NFL not that that's going to happen overnight, but you extend the amount of time that college players can play and you pay them. And that's the way you keep football. So you're saying remove the NFL altogether? Yes, get rid of the NFL. The NFL and just create a hybrid league? Yes, in college. Yeah, that's not going to work. I, it probably not, but that's, that, that's the, I, I've been that thinking about this sucks. for like the past Jeremy, three weeks. Jeremy, sorry. No, 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 no. That's probably the dumbest take that I've heard on the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying get rid of the NFL. The NFL is going to, you can't get rid of it per se, but the NFL is going to run its course. I, I think, you know, if, if we talk about like what's going to happen to the NFL with the concussion crisis, if the game doesn't change, if we don't find better treatments for CTE, the game is eventually going to die out. So how do you solve that problem? Well, statistically speaking, the guys who suffer the most symptoms are the guys who are, you know, who play the longest, have the most contact, right? Like linemen, linebackers, you know, guys at the front. Um, And the guys that are like the kickers, the punters, the, you know, maybe even the quarterbacks if they're lucky, um, you know, they're not the ones taking as many hits, right? And so you limit the amount of play that they get 
by shortening their careers, but then you also keep the sport monetized by paying players at a at a younger age. I don't know. It's just an idea. It's just an idea. I'm just throwing it out. Interesting theory. You say it's stupid now. But you wait. The, the game is going to change. The game is no, going to change. I agree. The game has and to change. It's going to change. And I don't think college football is going away. I think col- the college sport will always be there. But the way that you keep it alive, especially when the pros start kind of like, you know, because the pros are kind of, I mean, the NFL is changing right now, not always for the better. I mean, the NFL's but favorability. It, here's is, the deal. What, what would take the NFL's place? Well, that's an interesting question. That actually kind of brings up some other issues the NFL is grappling with right now. But, I mean, you, as we've said before on this show, if you go back in American history, like the, the top sport in the United States in the 1940s was not football. It was boxing, right? And boxing suffered a decline in popularity for various reasons, and football but took over the boxing is also an, it's a, it's an individual sport, and there's always been this, I don't know, dark cloud surrounding the sport of boxing because of corruption. Okay, that's you fair. don't really see that in football. Do, do you see? Do you see us becoming a soccer nation? You see us. You see, know, that's the only logical alternative that I thought of. I don't. I don't think so. I think and I just don't see it. I, I, mean, I think. Ba- I think basketball and baseball stand to it, it, stand to take yeah, on because we've a, actually a large seen share. in minor in in little league levels that baseball numbers have started to increase here recently in the past few years. But I will say this. It's interesting that you bring up soccer because I saw while watching the Texans uh, Titans game on Sunday, there was like a preview for 60 minutes and they were talking about uh, uh, this soccer player. I, he slips, slips my name. He, he's playing in the, uh, the Bundesliga uh, right now in Germany. He's like a 19 year old American kid and the they, Bundesliga. The Bundesliga. They, 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 no one knows him. what that is. No, uh, a lot of soccer. No people. one watches soccer, but he either plays for Dortmund or Bayern München. I'm, I'm not sure which club he plays for, but He's apparently a striker and one of the best players on Bayern München or Dortmund, whatever team. And I hate to say which one because they're actually rivals. That's like saying Yankees or Red Sox. I'm not sure which one he's on. Uh, But he is 19, young. He's athletic. He's supposed to be the next big deal in American soccer. And I I was telling my roommate, Alvin, I was like, I'm tired of hearing of, you know, the next great thing in American soccer because I feel like we've been hearing it for 20, 25 years. And it's just, I don't know. It just seems like all of our best athletes go and play other sports and maybe if football ends, then you know maybe they start drifting over to soccer a little bit more. I, I, I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, you know, and soccer is not without, not without its share of uh, head injury issues, but certainly not at the level where the NFL is right now. So uh, I think there was a you know some article the other day, or there, there's there's some Time Magazine article about how many of these former players have CT, and it's just incredible. So I, I don't know. The game is going to change. I would love to see it continue in its current form, but I think until things change structurally from like how they play the game it's probably not we're just going to kind of see the sport slowly decline yeah but I, I don't know we'll see it's, it's bad like, news <laughs> gloom and doom football fans. we will see what happens uh you know it, it's not going to be an instant it's going to it's going to take time but uh, if you want to follow our work uh, go ahead and search us on weekly brewcast just search that on facebook twitter instagram and youtube also you can subscribe to our website at weekly brewcast Dot com. We post content there each uh, each week when we post the show, so make sure to follow that. Uh, each each episode is posted straight to your inbox, so it's it's a great thing to have. Jeremy, uh, playoff baseball starts here on Thursday, and I know you're not a huge baseball guy, uh, but we are going to have a baseball special preview episode coming at you uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, somewhere around uh, that time slot. 
That'll get you more prepared uh, for Thursday's baseball game as the Astros take on the Boston Red Sox in the first of a, uh, a best of five series uh, here uh, that'll start at Minute Maid Park. And interestingly enough, Chris Sale is going to get the ball for the uh, the Red Sox. And Sale is 5-1 and one with a 1.31 ERA and six career starts against Houston. Uh, that, that's, a, that's, that's a pretty harsh number to look at. Uh, but Justin Verlander is more than likely going to get the ball on uh, Thursday afternoon, evening, and uh, we'll see. He's 5-0 and this year for the Astros, and I'm just excited. Playoff baseball is here. October baseball is here. I couldn't be more excited. You know, it's kind of funny. If you walk around downtown Houston, you wouldn't know that, you know, this place was, like, not a baseball city until, like, six months ago. So um, it's actually really cool to see how many people are sporting Astros gear and really getting into the sport. So really looking forward to the to the playoff run that this team is due. Yeah, let's hope that they can make another run back to the World Series like they had in 2005. It's just great to see the rally or the city rally around the sports teams uh, when they are playing well. Like when the Rockets get in the postseason, the city just completely... I don't know, wraps around them and, and jumps on the bandwagon. And, and that's great. It, it's fine to have those bandwagon fans. Me personally, I, I think back to those years, 2011, 2012, 13, 14, when the team was just dreadful with, you know, 100 losses in each season. But that's what makes this, this season so much more rewarding. You've ar- arguably got like the MVP of baseball, and uh, at least in the American League, Jose Altuve. Uh, you've got Verlander, former MVP and Cy Young winner. You've got Dallas Keuchel, you've got Carlos Correa, one of the most exciting players in the game. Uh, it's just this is such a fun team to watch. They've got so much energy. I don't know. After Hurricane Harvey, I, I just want to see this team get a championship for Houston. You know what? It, it wouldn't just be a, a World Series win. It wouldn't just be a championship. It would be a therapeutic championship. That, for that's the an city. accurate, a accurate therapeutic championship. Not only just to fix the post Harvey Blues, but also to get this. Blues. <laughs> but, not, but also to fix this city's bandwagon fan problem, which I will proudly admit. Um, I go to a bandwagon fan meeting every week, and we all talk about what could happen if the Astros well, won the World it's, Series. It's funny. Somebody asked me, so I, I have playoff tickets for the entire uh, Astros home games, um, but somebody asked me the other day, they were like, well, did you support the team Like, you know, when they were terrible? And it's like, yeah, I actually went to more games back then because I could get you know tickets right behind the dugout, tickets right on the field for literally less than $10 on StubHub. So, of course, I capitalized on that. At that point, I lived like five minutes away from Minute Maid Park. Uh, so whether it was like free tickets or $10 tickets, I don't care if it's, you know, 100 win team or 100 loss team. It's still fun to go to a baseball game and have conversation with friends. That's, I don't know, that's something to me that separates baseball from other sports. Like in, in, in for college football, one of the things that I love is being able to have that, that time with friends uh, at the tailgate. Right. I mean, just right. spending hours before just catching up with everyone. You can do that at baseball during the game. Right. If it's college football or college basketball or NFL or NBA, you're essentially you don't have necessarily that interaction that you do in baseball and college football. That, that to me is why those are my arguably two favorite sports to watch. Yeah, I know. And if you're if you're a fan of a, of a team that's not doing so well, you can have so much fun at the tailgate that you don't remember what happens in the game. Has that ever happened to you? It, it actually has a couple of times. I, so I, I will tell you, and, and this is this is you know this is at the end of the show. So if you're not a Baylor person, you might not get some of these references. But I was there for the Oklahoma Baylor game. I went to Scruffy Murphy's for the first time in like two years. For, for those of you that don't know, Scruffy Murphy's is one of the most glorious establishments on the face of the earth. It is an amazing place where all of your hopes that. and dreams go to die at like one thirty in the morning. <laughs> that place has changed. It's like it's like the cosmopolitan in Vegas meets Scruffs. 
I'm I'm having a hard time imagining that. But 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 this hold on, but but this goes like this whole tailgating advice. So this goes for any team, you know, that's bad, you right? Gotta play Thundershock. Iowa State, Kansas, it doesn't matter. Any team that's terrible. You, you you can you can try this out, like seriously. Just at the tailgate, have have a bit of fun going to the game. So, so the best thing to do is tailgate weddings. Tail yes. Just get out there at eight AM for a five o'clock wedding. Get that barbecue pit. This is why you haven't been invited to a wedding in like three years, Austin. That's probably true. <laughs> but actually, I did get invited to Zach Taylor's wedding. Oh, you did? Yeah. Zach, we haven't talked about him in a long time. Yeah, that is, uh, that's taken place uh, last Sunday in October. I didn't get an invite. It's, it's a Sunday. Yeah, well, I didn't get an invite. I, I, I want the chance to say no. You can, that's, you, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be thought, I wouldn't about, be how thought about of this? How about this? enough to say no. How about this? We go to the Baylor-Texas game on that Saturday, and then we drive up to you know the wedding and then you just tailgate it. What if, what, what if I just like hang out in the parking lot? No, I'm saying you tailgate it. Yeah, just, right. Just, I'm just bring a little grill. Yeah. We could do Thunderstruck before we go into the wedding. <laughs> Absolutely. I, actually, that actually might... I might have people not attend the wedding to come out to my tailgate. <laughs> Fair enough. On that note, I think we should probably end episode 110. I don't want your... Uh, it's gone off track here, guys. We're really sorry. Yeah, we've gone off a rail pretty quickly, but we hope that you enjoyed uh, this week's show. We're going to have a, a playoff preview for you here in just a few days, so stay tuned for that. But uh, Jeremy, always great to have you here in studio. And, uh, you know, if, if people want to leave comments, uh, what's the best way for them to reach us? Uh, you can find me, guys, at my, um, like, passive slash no, inactive... i about, like, the show, not your Fiesta Bear OS Oh, I'm, th- I'm talking about my Twitter account. You can, send me, you can send me fake news. You can send me hate. You can send me love at Fiesta Bear 08, or if Austin, if they want to reach you, a Staten, or you can look weekly brewcast, weekly brewcast. And we, we, uh, we take feedback, positive, negative, and we embrace the haters. You can slide into our DMS. No, that's only a Gary Patterson. We will embrace you. (laughs) That's only a Gary Patterson thing. (laughs) True story. That's true. That's true. Gary, Gary did. Gary Patterson slides into DMS. He does. He does. We have text messaged proofs. Well, you know what? G- Gary Patterson is a much better place than we are right now. So credit to him. He's undefeated. Absolutely undefeated. No, he's, he's a good guy. Go Horn I, I, uh, I think he's a, he's a good guy. We appreciated having him on the show last year. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, TCU Oklahoma. Uh, you know, oh, this it's year. Be incredible. I, yeah. I, I think that TCU area. defense is going to give Oklahoma Baker Mayfield a very, very difficult time. Uh, TCU just might be the best team in the Big 12. I mean, going on the road and beating Oklahoma State and Stillwater – that's not easy to do. And I it's know you've not. already discussed that, but to me, if, if, if Kenny Thrill or Kenny Trill, whatever his name is, can keep it up, they might be the cost of the Big 12. Yeah, way to turn your career around. Like going to a, a, like a small private school and completely just outplaying what people said you were capable of. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's been great. Episode 110 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. Jeremy, great having you on. As always, my name's Austin Staden. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 